today's scripture lesson is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. And I've got our crew here today hanging out with me. But to what will I compare this generation? Is it like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another? We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because of you, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and everyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I've been thinking uh, the past, well, this thought really pops into my head for a while, but it's been popping into my head a lot more lately. Do we truly know what it means to live for Christ? And, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, and it's, it's really sparked by the beginning of our passage today, um, where Jesus kind of calls the people out a little bit. Uh, because living for Christ, it was, it's, it was never something that was meant to be easy. It was never something that was meant to be comfortable. Um, if you look at the disciples and all that they went through, it's not a simple calling. If you look at uh, the early church and the church in much of its formation, it wasn't something that was meant to be uh, really a life of comfort and ease. If you look at the church and where it's growing in the world today, it's growing in places where there's persecution and hatred. And so do we truly know what it means to live for Christ? Because if we do, I feel like we would be made uncomfortable by it. I feel like we might even start to question our own lifestyles by it. Because you see, something I've noticed uh, in our polarizing uh, society right now where we have these what seems like uh, two ends of uh, a spectrum fighting against each other over every single issue under, under the sun, what I've come to realize during this time is that we as a society are prone to call people out for living in a way that we might feel uncomfortable by. Um, for instance, if we see somebody who is uh, like really supporting this cause and we don't believe in that, then we try to find every reason to either make fun of that uh, person or group of people or to discredit that person or that cause or something along those lines. Uh, likewise, if we see somebody supporting this uh, political figure, then we kind of tend to do the same. 
we call people out for living in a way that makes us uncomfortable. In this passage, Jesus even points out that people like to complain about those who are living lives contrary to how everyone else is living. Uh, most, more specifically here, Jesus points out that people like to complain about those who are living for others. For instance, uh, we get to uh, verse 18, and Jesus says, John, Jesus says that the people are saying that John the Baptist has a demon. They say he has a demon because his lifestyle was different from theirs, because he served others. It's interesting, because, you know, whenever we think back on John the Baptist, we think that he was a, a great herald for the Messiah. But the people of his day were looking at him and the way that he was living and the way he was acting and the way he was serving other people, and they felt uncomfortable by it, and they said, this man clearly has a demon because he's not following the status quo. Then we get to verse 19, and Jesus points out that the people said that Jesus was a glutton and a drunkard because he devoted his life to those whose lives looked inappropriate to those on the outside, because Jesus met and ate with and spent time with sinners and tax collectors. And so the people called him out for that because that's not fitting the status quo. That's not the way that they live their lives. And so they felt like they needed to call him out to make fun of him, to make fun of John, uh, to, to call them names or to come up with some excuse as to why they're living their lives this way because the people felt uncomfortable by it because the life that Jesus calls us to live is not a comfortable one to live. But what I think, I, I, in, in my own opinion, one of the reasons why people tend to call each other out and make fun of each other and, you know, spend all of this hate speech on one another is because whenever we see somebody else living their lives differently than we live ours, we feel scared by it. We feel like we need to ask, should we be living our lives that way? Or are, is the way we're living our lives the right way? And we feel confused because we like for things to be black and white. We like for things to be, yes, you should do this, and no, you shouldn't do this, but the world isn't so simple. Our society is not so simple. And so whenever we think about whether or not we truly know what it means to live for Christ, something we have to recognize is that to follow Christ often looks contrary to the path that our society is on. And that's not an easy thing to digest. But to follow Christ has always been contrary to the way of the world. The only problem is the way of the world is a lot easier. The path that Christ is on, well, it's rocky terrain. And so we need to consider which path we'll take. Because you see, the American dream, and I'm using American society because that's the society we live in, the society we're most accustomed to, the American dream often involves acquiring wealth, making as much money as possible, finding a career uh, that will grant us enough money to be able to sustain a lifestyle that we want, and then maybe a little bit of cushion for some comfort and maybe something to buy me a boat. But Jesus said 
give all you have to the poor. And, and that's, that's contrary to what society has been telling us. And it's a lot easier to have money because if I have money, I can do more with it. But if I give all I have to the poor, then, then all of a sudden I'm a poor person and that's difficult. So we make up excuses and we say that, you know, well, Jesus didn't really mean that or Jesus only meant that to a certain extent or, you know, what have you. We try to explain it away because we're uncomfortable by the lifestyle that Jesus calls us to. Our world, our society, American society, splits people into us and them groups. For, exa- for example, uh, I mean, you see this all the time in, uh, in political debates. You know, we have an election coming up. It's always us and them. They're the Republicans versus the, the Democrats, the conservatives versus the liberals. It's, it, and for some reason, we only have two political parties in America, which, by the way, was never meant, that was never the way that our society was meant to be. But it's easier that way, and so we conform with it. And, uh, and we have an us and them dichotomy in our society that says, those people over there are the worst, we are the best, end of story. And so we come up with a way to explain this away, even though Jesus said, welcome and love all people. Not just those who are in your in-group, not just those who think like you or look like you or act like you or do like you or believe the same things you do, but all people. That's why Jesus ate and spent time with and loved on sinners and tax collectors. It was for all people. But we tend to say, yeah, but, but those people aren't really following the path of Christ, and so I don't want to get caught up in that, and so I'm going to stick over here with the people that I believe are following the path of Christ, and that way, I'm loving the people who love Jesus. And we try to explain away the fact that our society often pulls us away from the path that Christ has asked us to follow. We are taught to seek each other's approval. We are taught that, you know, if we're going to do something, then we need somebody to say, yes, that's the right thing to do. We are taught to live in ways that the majority of society will support. We are taught to live in ways that, you know, we don't get shunned for, we don't get made fun of for. However, Jesus says... Jesus tells us pretty blatantly, in fact, that people will hate us because we follow him, because people don't understand the ways of Christ, and because the ways of Christ are difficult. And so we hear that and we think, okay, but but maybe not all people. Maybe if we're still doing the things that we like to do and people support, maybe that can still be a way of Christ too, but we try to explain away the path of Christ and take the road most frequently traveled, even though, you know, good old Robert Frost wants to take the road less traveled. And we try to explain it away because it's easier and because it makes sense to us and because it's more comfortable to us even though Christ is calling us to a different path. We live in an individualistic society. And that's basically a complicated way to say that our society is set up in such a manner that, is, that we are meant to think about me first. You know, uh, whenever we are you know, 
whatever, picking our career path, um, figuring out how we're going to live into a family unit, picking our uh, school systems, picking where we want to live, picking our church, we are taught to think, I need to sign up for or go with whatever is going to suit me. And we think, of our, uh, we think of ourselves in a society as a me-first society. Or even, you know, we might get a little more uh, broad perspective and say, me and my people first. Me and the people who are like me or look like me or are part of my clan first. Even though Jesus said, we need each other. And we try to explain it away by saying, yeah, but we don't need everyone, do we? We don't need the people who are thinking like this or the people who are acting like this or the people who don't support the people that I support or the people who go for different causes than I go for, right? And Jesus says, no, we need all of each other. But we try to explain it away because the life that Jesus has called us to, it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, it's challenging. It goes against society. And we have to choose which path to be on, even though we may not think we do, even though we may think that, well, the path of Christ and the path of society can be the same path. And at times they may converge, but the path of Christ is always going to look radically more different than the path that most everybody else is taking. For instance, yesterday we celebrated Independence Day, July 4th, the birthday of America. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of fireworks and cooking out and hanging out with uh, people, even though we can't really do that during this time. Um, but Independence Day is it's an interesting day to celebrate, in my opinion. Uh, not because I have anything against it, but because of the very term independence. While this term was meant to uh, celebrate the United States becoming independent from the British Empire, independence is something that our society highly prizes. People say that you should be an independent person. You should be able to take care of yourself. You should be able to do for yourself and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and take care of yourself because that's what makes you an American. And while I must say that freedom which is something else we celebrate on July 4th, is indeed a Christian concept. Although if you watched uh, our midweek Devo video this week, you might have a different perspective of what freedom actually means. Independence is not a Christian concept. Um, over and over and over again in Scripture, we have it laid out for us. I mean, time and time again in every single book of the Bible, that we can't and should not do this alone, that we are meant to be a corporate people, a people who are together and grow together and learn together and support one another and are there for one another. You see, to be a Christian is, uh, is to take on the opposite of independence. As Christians, we are called to take on interdependence interdependence. What an incredible concept. What a beautiful term. Interdependence 
is not uh, necessarily saying that all of a sudden we kind of crumble into a communistic society or anything that dramatic by any means. Interdependence simply means we need each other. Interdependence simply recognizes that people are the most powerful tool of our society and through the work of people we can do the most good through our work together, not our work alone, not as independent people, but as interdependent people. And to explain this a little bit more, I love the metaphor and analogy that Jesus uses in our scripture lesson today. So uh, we'll just uh, start from verse 27 on. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke. Whenever Jesus says, we just need to go ahead and clear the air here. Whenever Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, Jesus is not talking about when you crack an egg and there's like this, uh, this yellow circle thing in the middle of it. Jesus isn't saying, you know, put some egg yolk on your head. This is a completely different kind of yolk spelled differently, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're not talking about the, the egg yolk. Whenever Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, what he's talking about is a tool that was used uh, still kind of is used in agricultural societies. And it's, a, it's basically a piece of wood that uh, you place on the uh, necks and backs of working animals, like donkeys or oxen. Uh, and you put this wooden piece on their, uh, on their backs of, of one and another, and it links them together so that uh, they can pull like a plow or a, a, something uh, else that might be used in the field a little bit easier because two, doing the work that one normally does becomes a lot easier because they're able to share the load. They're able to take on the burden together. They're able to pull a heavy plow through a field a lot easier because uh, you're using the power of two donkeys rather than one, the power of two oxen rather than one. And so this is the concept that Jesus is talking about, this kind of yoke. Whenever Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's talking to an agricultural society and says, let me share this burden with you. Whatever, you may be, may, uh, whatever may be going on for you in your life, whatever may be weighing you down, let's share it together. And this is the concept that, that the church was meant to adopt uh, and carry moving forward. That, that people would work together to accomplish a task. Not that any one person would ever be left alone to do it, but that there would always be someone to share it with. Now, an even more beautiful use of the yoke as a tool uh, came whenever farmers recognized that whenever they would get a new uh, animal, like maybe a new animal is born or they bought a new uh, animal to work in the fields, uh, what they found is that animal didn't always really know how things were supposed to work. That donkey, ox, whatever beast of burden you want to put, put out there, uh, that animal would kind of do its own thing and it would take a long time to train that animal how to 
till the field and to do the work it was supposed to do. So what farmers started doing is yoking together, it's a verb form of using yoke, uh, putting together a very experienced animal with a brand new animal. And they would be yoked together because with this board on both of their backs, uh, the new one can't go on its own direction. Instead it, instead, it has to stay with the experienced one, the animal who knows what it's doing and how this process is supposed to work. And so whenever Jesus is using uh, this analogy, saying, come to me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, take my yoke upon you, Jesus is using this beautiful analogy that's meant to say, you're not supposed to do this alone. You never were. It was never meant to be that humans do anything by themselves. We are a communal organism. We are communal animals. We are meant to live together. Don't believe me? Take a look at every single bit of human society and civilization. From the very beginning of time, people have family units. In other words, there, there are families, parents, and children that people come from each other, and that right there is already a symbol that, hey, we are meant to be together. But then these little family units start coming together with other uh, family units and saying, hey, let's help each other out. You do this and I'll do this. And all of a sudden we have clans showing up, an extended family unit in some sense that support one another. And then eventually we have clans coming together and say, you know what, y'all are very good at this. We're very good at this. Let's help each other out. And before we know it, we have societies showing up and civilizations rising up because people are able to do more when they work together. Independence is not a Christian concept. Independence is not even a human concept. Because independence doesn't work so well. If we try to think that we can do everything on our own, we end up very lonely, very burdened, and realizing we're in over our heads. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And let's do this together. We are called to be an interdependent society. The church is an expansion of that concept, of the concept of uh, taking a yoke uh, and sharing it among people. The church is a collective experience. For instance, uh, did you know you can't have the church with one person? If it were just me up here, which it, it you know ends up that way sometimes whenever I'm preaching, but if it were just me and there weren't you weren't there, you weren't watching or participating or what have you, this would not be the church. It would simply be me making a video of myself talking, which is strange. And I wouldn't do that because there would be no point. Anyways, there is no church if it's just one person. But as soon as we add a second and a third and a 20th and a 50th and so on and so forth, then we have community and we have the church. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, I am there also. Where there is community, Jesus is there. Why? Because we need each other. We don't work as independent individuals. We work 
as a community of faith. And so, thinking about this and what it means for our lives, I want to offer you this challenge for this week. Remember, I said freedom is a Christian concept. Independence is not. And so this week, I want you to live into the freedom to connect with one another. And that's going to be one of the hardest things to do during this time because we are in a pandemic. A pandemic in which we're told don't spend time with one another. Don't get near each other. Six feet apart. Wear your masks. Please wear your masks. But yet we still need each other. Even during a pandemic, we can't isolate ourselves entirely. And so find ways to connect with one another. If you have a phone, call one another. If you have internet access, join with one another on video calls or, uh, or chat rooms or what have you, video games, sure. If you have a pen and paper, write to one another. Whatever it takes, use your freedom during this time to connect with one another. Why? Because we are interdependent people. We need each other. We need to go against the grain of a society that says you can do this alone. Why? Not because you can't do this alone, but really because you can't do this alone. We weren't ever meant to do this alone. I'm not saying that you you as an individual don't have that capacity. I'm saying we as human beings don't have the capacity to try to do this alone for very long. While we might be told by our society that independence is a prized trait to take on, hear the word of Christ that says we need each other. Take my yoke upon you And so I hope that for this week, you might live into the freedom to connect with one another. Because through connecting with one another, we begin to do something that society so often says is wrong. We begin to build one another up. We begin to support one another in ways that we could never do as individuals, and we begin to combat this idea that we are meant to do things all by ourselves, that we are meant to do things alone. I've been told for far too often that people need to learn how to pick themselves up by their bootstraps. I'm here to tell you, it's not a good life. It's not a worthy life to live for oneself and to only ever support oneself and never have any other support. Independence is not a Christian concept. Interdependence is what we were made for. So get connected with one another. Find the love of Christ that permeates throughout community. Go against the grain of society for just a moment and find some support and some help from someone who loves you. And above all, 
never forget that even in the darkest of times, there Christ sits saying, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us pray.